one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career render, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. From the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York, I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program, sports talk without the trash talk. Beyond the Game is on Twitter, at BTG program. And if you're joining us for the very first time, we thank you for being with us. We invite you to find out more information about this radio ministry at our website at, no, that's not, that's the social media site, (laughs) btgprogram.com. Coming up on today's program, we'll talk some Buffalo Bills football. Always a favorite for Zach. It was a big win last week in Tampa. Yeah, Boy, it was. The kind of win that I think could go a long way to confirming the confidence of the players, making believers out of Bills fans. I, I You know, I say confirming. The players are already confident. You could see yeah. that in that game. So I don't want to say that that type of win builds their confidence, but it's a kind of win that could certainly validate the type of confidence they're playing mm. with. We'll also talk about the future of the New York Yankees. After being dispatched from the postseason a week or so ago, I'm finally ready to move on. I'm finally ready to talk about baseball, talk about the Yankees. Of course, after many rumors, the future is going to be different for the Yankees after they decided this week not to bring back manager Joe Girardi. So why not start here? I guess, Zach, let, at yeah, least, let's do it. You know, let's talk about that. At least initially, I thought that by Coming back to beat the Cleveland Indians the way they did, the way they took Houston Astros to seven games, I expected Joe Girardi to be back. I figured they wanted the continuity for this team with so many young players. But, you know, as the days went on since being eliminated, and specifically here in the last three or four days, it seemed like momentum was building more and more. There were rumors. There were reports. They were saying that Joe was not going to be retained. Your Aunt Sally on social media <laughs> shared a report. Now, none of these reports were ESPN, CBS Sports, NBC, you know, none of the big guys. They were these never heard of things. This is what your Aunt Sally said, but mm-hmm. they were right. So I don't know what access to the front office your Aunt <laughs> Sally has, but I'll tell you what, I, I'm not exactly sure what to think about it, though. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I... Look, he gets killed for making some bad decisions, and he does some things that makes you scratch your head, specifically his bullpen usage, I think, but uh, not opting to challenge that Lonnie Chisenhall call in in Mm -hmm. Cleveland. I think a lot of people have piled on. We talked about that, but he admitted he made a mistake there. But I think overall, Joe did a pretty good job. He never had a losing season. He seemed to push the buttons the right way most of the time, and I think on a in baseball, you play 162 games. You're gonna you're gonna mess up once or twice. You know you're gonna make some moves that didn't work mm-hmm. out. But of course, in New York, everybody kills you. So how much do you think that the reported cold relationship that he had with Gary Sanchez played a part in this? I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I um, do too. Because Gary Sanchez is a guy that's going to be a cornerstone of this franchise along with Aaron Judge for the next decade or so. 
And, um, you know, we talked about it before with that play in Cleveland where he didn't challenge the ball off the knob of the bat, despite Gary Sanchez, who was right there behind the plate, saying, it hit the bat, it hit the bat, you got to challenge it. And he chose not to listen to his catcher's advice. And we talked yeah, about I the- think I think you're you're on to something there. Sorry to interrupt you. It was less that he didn't challenge the call. That was bad enough. Mm-hmm. But the bigger issue was he wasn't trusting his catcher. Right. And there, and there was something to that. And I think the Yankees took notice of that. And that's with Girardi being a former catcher himself, and a pretty good catcher, that he's been in that situation. you got to think in his long career that he would have been in a situation where a ball hit a bat and was called a, a hit by pitch. And you would think that he, as a former catcher, would side with his catcher in that and I thought that was really unusual. And then we saw uh, later in the postseason where he called out Sanchez's defense and stuff like that. And it just seemed like they weren't the best of friends, I guess. And you never saw Joe. I don't I don't know what happened in the clubhouse, but you never saw him as part. This was a young, loose team. They were having lots of fun. You had the uh, Toe Night Show and all those things that they were mm-hmm. doing in the dugout. Not that you would expect it, but you never saw Joe Girardi as part of any of that. Yeah, I never saw him to mind that I can remember really ha- having a loose moment with Aaron Judge or any yeah. of those guys. I think with him, he's just such a stoic personality. He was not, as a player, he wasn't supremely talented. He was the hard work, nose to the grindstone. He was going to keep his job because he was going to outwork you type of guy. And I think that's the personality that he's brought to the manager's position as well. I just don't think it's in his personality to be the loose, uh, the loosey goosey type of guy like this team was. I think maybe it was a personality clash between him and the culture of the team. Well, I think with Joe, exactly what you just described is a lot like Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. People wondered why the 49ers would ever let him get away. Well, the answer is he just wears you out. Mm-hmm. He's so intense. He's so focused. He pushes all the time. And after a while, and he's been with the Yankees for 10 years now, you're ready to move on. You're ready for a change. And I think the Yankees probably had made their mind up. And the Cleveland incident would have been a great, man, this is it. This is our, this is, this is why. But then they came back and won. They took the Astros to seven games. But Cashman had still, he was like, look, we've made up our mind. And Mm -hmm. you got to kind of think that a guy like Cashman, he's had this in his back pocket. He's known all along what he was going to do. What it was originally talked about is perhaps being mutual from what Joe Girardi has shared in saying that the Yankees didn't invite me back. That could be partly because he's butthurt. But Mm -hmm. it's obviously not mutual. There seems to be he wanted to come back. And there was always that talk that, well, me, my family and I will have a discussion. We'll take a vote. And there was all that talk. But it seemed like he wanted to come back. But Brian Cashman had made his mind up. It seems like he has a plan. He probably knows who he would like because that's the thing as I've, as since this news has come out, and we're recording this program Thursday night as we normally do. So the news broke today, possibly even by Saturday when this airs. They may even have an answer. They may even have revealed who they who they want. I don't know that they will, but you got to think Cashman is that prepared where he probably knows who he wants. But most of the digging that I've done today since this news has broke out, nobody really knows. Yeah, this is this is kind of a unique situation where they're we don't know who the next guy's going to be. Yeah, and 
you know, we can infer a few things from what Cashman said. It's going to be somebody that he's worked with before. So you would think it's somebody that's had ties to the team, whether in the front office or down on the field. Uh, it's going to be somebody who embraces analytics in a way that a more old school guy like Girardi probably does not. Um, and we can guess that Cashman, like you said, probably had his guy already lined up, ready to go, because um, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, the way all his moves have paid off over the last year or so, that he's got a guy lined up and he would not make a move like this without the successor already somewhat in place. So I think we're going to get an answer pretty soon. I would agree. You've heard Rob Thompson, uh, his name mentioned. Mm -hmm. Hensley Mullins is probably the name that I'm probably thinking most likely to me early on. He's a former Yankee. He's been brought up in discussions with other connected to other teams. Kind of think he's probably the young type of guy they want, an Alex Cora type, a Mickey Calloway type. You're seeing young guys, Dave Roberts in L.A., young guys get positions, uh, A.J. Hinch, the two guys in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got to think it's probably going to be one of those guys. We got a lot to do on today's show. As I said, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills. We're going to do a draft. We're going to do a BTG draft. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah. Halloween's just around the corner. Zach is here dressed up as Chewbacca. Actually, that's <laughs> not true. I look again, and it's just his beard growing. <laughs> uh, but we're going we're gonna to pick our favorite movie monsters. I hope you'll stick around. We'll try to encourage you. We'll leave you with some thoughts from God's Word as they apply to some of the things we'll get into. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Everything I once held dear I count it all as lost And lead me to the cross Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. 
Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Every once in a while, after we record the program on Thursday nights, Zach and I like to go out for some chicken wings. It's something we've done since the very beginnings of this program. We've this done show this was for built years. on chicken wings. Yeah, three and a half years ago when Darren was still with us, we'd go out and get some chicken wings from time to time. We don't do it a lot because the price of wings, my goodness, anymore, it's like you have to leverage a mortgage payment. Then. Yeah. And I'm still trying to fit in my pants, so you know, <laughs> make sure my jeans still fit. Thursday nights are good, though, because they do have the discounted Buffalo Wild Wings there. They have them. But they were up to 70 cents for the boneless chicken wings last week when we went. And that was on special. They're normally more you know than what, that, right? I think. That's, that's just way too much We're money. showing our age now. Yeah. So last week with the NLS, NLCS game going on, you had the Thursday night football, the Rangers-Islanders game, which is really why we went. It was a ideal night for Zach and I to hit it up. You know, he's an, a Rangers fan. I'm an Islanders fan. and You almost said I was an Islanders fan and I, I'm insulted. I, I did almost do that. <laughs> uh, admittedly, though, I like the Rangers really well as also, but the Islanders are my team. But if you listened to last week's show, it was pretty obvious that uh, the condition of my voice, I, I wasn't feeling my best. I was fighting a cold. I mean, my nose wouldn't stop running the entire program. So I ended up cutting out a little bit after uh, while we were sitting there eating chicken wings. Not before I had my fill of wings, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, as the night was going on, I was feeling worse and worse. And, uh, you know, so I headed home to slip into bed. And, of course, of all things, my wife wants to watch football. She's a Raiders fan. And, of course, it's a big rivalry game with the Kansas City Chiefs. So she tries to make some small talk. I got to tell you, I'm just not feeling it. I want to go to bed. She rolls in after the game, waking me up, telling me more about it. And no doubt it sounded like a crazy game. But not only am I not feeling well, I was asleep. I'm asleep. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I know a good husband would try to at least fake it, pretend to be interested, but uh, I'm a loser husband, I guess, because I just <laughs> all I did was grunt, roll over, well, and you went have, back to sleep. You wouldn't have been asleep if you were still watching that game because we were watching the beginning of it at Wild Wings, and it was there was like a touchdown every few seconds. It seems like what a game. Yeah, but I'm a real downer, right? I mean, I almost almost feel badly about it, but that was a crazy ending, man. As time expired, given we had a few games undecided this weekend until the last seconds of the mm -hmm. game. The Titans, your Super Bowl pick, needed yeah. everything just to get past the Cleveland Browns. That's not a good winning sign. in overtime. No, that's not a good sign. And then there was that very entertaining Buffalo Bills game. Right. That was fun to watch. I was watching that game because the Giants weren't on to 430, and I'm watching the Bills. And as many of you know, the Bills came from behind in the fourth quarter to beat Tampa Bay 30-27. to I read in the newspaper – Something about the Buffalo Bills, which I thought was absolutely astonishing. According to Elias Sports Bureau, that was the first time in franchise history that the Bills have rallied to win a home game in which they trailed by at least seven points in the final three minutes of the fourth quarter. Wow. That's astonishing to me. It had been done on the road, but never in Buffalo prior to last Sunday. In fact, it hadn't been done at all that the Bills came back in the last three minutes of a game since 1991, they did it against the L.A. Raiders at the Memorial Coliseum. I think what that tells me is that this Bills, the Bills have generally not been within seven points late in games very often. 
you know, those dynasty teams, they were either way ahead or since then they've usually been way behind. Well, you're probably right. Heading into Sunday, quarterback Tyrod Taylor was 2-16 and when the Bills were down by at least four points in a game. So this had to be especially rewarding for him. Mm-hmm. This is a different Bills team. This is some something different than we've seen. And they didn't fold up the tents and go home. Being here in Western New York, being friends with so many Bills fans, a fairly common trait among y'all is you have this defeatist attitude. You know, even when the Bills are winning, they're sort of waiting for the other shoe to fall. Yep. You're waiting for something to happen. The fact that they never came from so far behind in front of the home crowd with so little left on the clock, I guess that's a good reason Buffalo fans feel the way they do, why mm-hmm. they have that attitude. I was thinking as I was watching the game that Tyrod Taylor was playing pretty good. Yeah, he balled out. Now, you know, I'm, I haven't always been a supporter. I have, I've always kind of wondered if, man, is he really the guy? But he played like he was the guy. No turnovers, which, of course, those are just real morale killers. Mm-hmm. Turnovers, man, which is certainly would have had the Bills fans thinking, here we go again, had that occurred, but no turnovers. Like the Bills offense only has three turnovers as a team, which is the least in franchise history through the first six games of a season. Another astonishing fact for the Buffalo Bills. Zero turnovers by Taylor, along with 268 passing yards and a touchdown, plus 53 yards of rushing yardage to boot. Now, I tell you, I, I thought these runs, when he did run, I thought he ran well. I thought they were intelligent runs. They were well-timed. They were well-executed. He really presents a challenge for defenses. Yeah. I think if he can run intelligently, and by that I mean he gets down, he gets out of bounds, he he doesn't try to do too much. If he can do that, the Bills need to work some more designed runs into their play calling, don't you think? Yeah, it's a big part of his game, and I, you know, I wish he would do it more. He tends to, his biggest flaw, I think, is that he tends to hold on to the ball too long and he tries to be a pocket passer at times, and so he takes a lot of sacks. And I would like to see him... Maybe escape the pocket a few more times every game because it seems to work out really well. He played with great confidence. As I said, I, I've been skeptical whether or not he's really the man in Buffalo, but he played like that franchise quarter, that quarterback that everybody wants. And perhaps he's maturing into the position. I, I don't know. He was clearly the leader out there. Mm-hmm. He was clearly in control. He rallied them to this victory, you know, which came as a surprise to me. When that first half ended, I was thinking, here we go. This is this is the Bills doing what the Bills do. I was pretty certain we were seeing the same old Bills team. What in the world were they doing with the clock at the end of the first half? Playing with no timeouts. Instead of simply spiking the ball to at least get a field goal attempt, mm-hmm. they opt to throw the ball, and not even towards the sidelines, into the middle of the field. Yeah. What were they doing? I, I have no idea. I really, I you know, I, I almost wonder if they just forgot they had used so many timeouts earlier in the half because that, and the play itself was not going to get you a touchdown. It was going to get you three to four yards. Right. You know, it's not like it was much needed yardage. They were well within field goal runs already. This, it just seems like if you're going to run a play, don't run that play. Oh, I, I agree 100%. I, I realize head coach Sean McDermott, still new to the job, by the way, the three home wins without a loss makes McDermott the first Bills coach in history to do that, win those first three games as a Bills head coach. Wow. A lot of firsts for Buffalo. Yeah. But the Bills have to do a better job managing the clock. 
Yes. They had uh, clock management. It's absolutely critical. And they had, th- by what I count, if I remember right, they had three wasted timeouts that they had to use because they had uncertain personnel on the field. Mm-hmm. They had to call a timeout to make an adjustment. And it's just, but it's uncalled for. This And the NFL is not soccer. It, it, when the scoreboard, well, yeah, <laughs> but when the scoreboard goes double zero, that's it. There ain't no more. That's a crazy thing about soccer. Well, I say that unless there's some crazy penalty situation or something like that. But soccer has that goofy thing where they call it extra time. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's like that. Like extra. That's not dodgy or anything. Nobody's going to question any of that. The, the the clock expires, and then the referee says, "Oh no, I, I got some more time on my clock. Keep playing. I'll decide when it's over." Oh yeah, that's convenient. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to ever question that. Jeez. Unless it's soccer, you just can't put more time back on the clock to make up for how you mismanaged it. Unless it's the end of an Oakland Raiders versus Kansas City Chiefs game. (laughs) Then you can run three more plays. Yeah, well, each game has only a certain amount of time in in most sports. Well, not baseball, obviously. That's a glorious thing about baseball, too. Mm. There is no clock. But when you have a clock, and when that clock expires, like I said, unless it's soccer, you're done. And that's just as it is in life. You know, though it's different for each one of us, we all have a specific yet unknown amount of time given us. Not knowing how much time is left, clock management becomes critical. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. We have to make the most of every opportunity to let our lives shine in such a way that it reflects the love of Christ to those who may not know him. And I think say that's twofold because we don't know if we'll have another chance to share Christ, to be able to reflect his love. And we also don't know if that other person will have another opportunity, if they will come across another Christian the rest of their days. Their time on the clock may expire before they have an opportunity to hear again, which is why the very next verse in Colossians, this is chapter 4, verse 6, is let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt. Christians need to let their speech always be filled with grace. Here's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. The potential impact that we can have on an eternal, on the eternal destination of a soul, that ought to provide all the motivation we need to make the most of the time that's given us. The opportunity that we have to bring somebody, to give them information that helps them go from darkness into light, that ought to be all the inf- all the motivation we need to share Christ, especially if that be our own soul. At least take the time to investigate what the Bible says about the afterlife, Carefully considering its application, it's so important, and yet it's so overlooked, and, and, and it's so dismissed. It's important that each of us realize we're not guaranteed more time. We're not. We, we're not guaranteed any more time. We have no idea when our clock expires. Life is probably more like the extra time in soccer than I would care to admit. Mm-hmm. When the whistle blows, that means time's up. Romans thirteen eleven says, do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. And Second Corinthians 6.2 says that now, now's the time. 
This is the time to come to salvation. It says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's wisdom to at least consider that we may not be given tomorrow, that we have no guarantees that we will have any more time than now to get right with God. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Don't wait to obey God. If you hear God calling you, respond. Don't wait. Christian, if you hear God calling you to serve in some capacity, get to it. If you hear God calling you to share the gospel with somebody, get to it. Galatians 6.10, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Many people waste time on unimportant things, Mm -hmm. maybe even good things. It may not be that these things are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but given too much attention, they distract us from the better things. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There are things that steal our time. There are things that steal our attention, our thoughts. Like I said, maybe even good things, but not necessarily the best things. Mm -hmm. Strive for those best things. Lay aside those things which potentially weigh you down so that you may approve the things that are excellent, Philippians 1.10 says, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. The best things are those things that God has for us. He has a gift for you. That's the gift of eternal life with him in heaven. It's a free gift, a gift that is offered freely. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. If you haven't taken that gift from God, if you've never taken that free gift that he offers, I'd encourage you to make the most of your time and consider that the Bible says you're a sinner and that you need God's grace and his forgiveness. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means apart from accepting that free gift, apart from taking it, we come short of spending eternity with him. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God offers you salvation because he loves you. You've probably heard John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus died on the cross so that you might know eternal life. He's willing to forgive you, and he wants you to call on him. If we confess our sins, it says in First John 1 John 1.9, he's faithful, righteous, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't, don't make excuses. Don't let the clock expire because then it's going to be too late. Get to it. There's no better time than the present because there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Answers God's call. Give your heart to him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The Bible says that anyone Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to be saved from your sins today, ask God to forgive you. Pray to him. Tell him you know you're a sinner. Tell him you know that Jesus died on the cross. Tell him you believe that. Tell him you know that that death is sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. And ask him to forgive you. Start a new life. Instead of fighting God's authority, 
Seek after righteousness. Turn away from your sins. Follow him. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to know Jesus, visit our website, btgprogram.com. Up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a tab, Know Jesus. gives you all the information you need right there. You can also email me, hosts, that's plural, hosts at btgprogram.com. Email me. Be glad to have a conversation with you. Even if you just want us to pray for you, we'd be glad to do that. I hope you'll give your heart to God today. I want to thank you for being with us. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Time now for the Red Hawks Report for this week, October 28th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. And how about those Roberts Wesleyan cross-country teams? The Red Hawks men's and women's teams swept the East Coast Conference Championships last Saturday. By the way, that was the fourth straight ECC title for the women. Sophomore Josiah Adelini paced the men, placing first overall to win the individual title, and he was named the ECC Runner of the Year. Sophomore Christopher Sims came in third place. The Red Hawks had runners finish in spots three through seven, giving them six of the top seven spots. Senior Emily Betts finished in fourth place for the ladies. She earned first-team all-conference honors, and freshman Ashley Watson was next across the line for a fifth-place finish and was named the ECC Rookie Runner of the Year as well as first-team all-conference. As did the men, the Roberts women then had a group of runners finish together as they took the eighth through 13th spots. Coaches Andrew and Jennifer Doerr were named ECC Coaches of the Year. In other action last Saturday, the women's tennis team lost to the New York Institute of Technology 5-4. Mercy College swept the Roberts soccer teams, beating the women 4-1 and the men 6-1. And though they finished six out of the six teams, it was the debut for the women's swim team last Saturday at the Cortland Pumpkin Relays. And the women's volleyball team bested Mercy College to get their second win in the season, 3-2. Senior Courtney Taylor led the team with 13 kills on 39 attack attempts, while senior setter Elizabeth Rivera added 28 assists. The women followed that win with a loss at the University of Bridgeport on Sunday. The week was then capped with a pair of shutout victories by the soccer teams. On Tuesday, the men shut out Lock Haven University 2-0, the Red Hawks getting goals by junior Daniel Maxwell and redshirt freshman Jeremiah Ochepo. And on Wednesday, the Roberts women also recorded their shutout, defeating Chestnut Hill College 3-0. Senior Mackenzie Kidder netting two goals, and sophomore Taylor Rutland getting the other. Coming up later today, that's October 28th at home. Both the men and women will close out the soccer seasons with matches against New York Institute of Technology. Start time for the women is 1 p.m., followed by the men at 3.30. That's it for home action until next Friday night, November 3rd, when the women's volleyball team will host NYIT at 7 p.m. For more information on Roberts Athletics, including scores, highlights, and more, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com. And follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Benson and Barletta joining you. You can visit us on social media at BTG Program. Halloween is just a couple of days away. I don't know if you celebrate that or if you're one of those uh, fall harvest people. Either way, I'm not judging. We celebrate. I like candy. Okay. that's I'm not, Like I said, I'm not judging. I am going to use this opportunity, though, to uh, appeal to your nerddom. And I've got to admit, this is sort of up my alley, too. <laughs> we're going to do a BTG draft. What that is, we're going to pick our favorite. We're each going to draft three of our favorite all-time movie monsters, creatures from those from the movies. Now, it's a little different than when we do our, well, quite frankly, it comes down to the sound effects. We have what we call the good, bad, the ugly, where we just, we name our three favorites or three ugly or three, you know, you obviously get it, good, bad, the ugly. But that's so we can play that clip. But when we do the draft, if you pick a creature, it's off the board. I can't pick them anymore. And it gives us a chance to play... That clip right there. So we like our sound effects. We like playing with them. So that's what we're going to do. So yeah. let's start this draft. I'm going to let you go first. Zach, you have the first pick. Well, I think if you're doing a draft of movie monsters with the number one pick, it would be a crime to take anything but the king of the monsters, Godzilla. In yeah. any iteration, the cheesy old Japanese ones, the new CGI ones, the weird Matthew Broderick one, they're all great. I just love the character of Godzilla. Even the most recent film, which I thought was weird and didn't really understand, but the visuals were cool. Godzilla's awesome, so Godzilla is my round one pick one. Yeah, that would have been mine too. Godzilla is as cool as they come when it comes to... I, there's been so many over the years. King Kong, that's great. All the foes in the Godzilla movies, but I'm with you. You took what I would have went to. Godzilla is as cool as they come. Man, if they come out with a Godzilla movie, I got to tell you, I am there. But since you took them, I'm going to take, take American Werewolf in London. Ooh, good one. I, um, I, it's not necessarily appropriate, but I will tell you that the, 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 the effects in that movie where the werewolf, where he becomes a werewolf was amazing at the time. Just, just absolutely amazing. And the werewolf, they did a good job with the werewolf. So I'm going to go with the American werewolf that eats London. Can't go wrong with that. I think for my second pick, I'm going to go with... Oh. I didn't play it for mine, and I missed the opportunity. Now that I'm officially on the clock, yeah, I'm going to go with the <laughs> Predator from the Predator films. Yeah. I mean, he's got awesome dreadlocks. He can turn invisible. He's got cool futuristic weapons. He looks scary. He's just awesome. Yeah, so, that's that was on my board. That was on my board too. But my p- pick in the second round, I'm going to go back to 1954, a movie that has creeped me out. It's an old black and white movie. It creeped me out as a kid. It still creeps me out 
the giant ants from the movie Them. Yes. I don't know if you ever saw that, but you knew the ants were coming because they played this music, and then the ants were there. And it just, ah, I don't like anything. If you follow me on social media, you know I don't like spiders. I don't like anything with more than four legs. And these ants creep me out. And that probably is why I don't like them. I can go back to that movie and say, that's why I don't like critters with more than four legs. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Zach, your third round pick. This isn't my pick, but it kind of goes with what you said, just on a small tangent. When I was a kid, the movie that scared me the most was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because I was terrified of the giant bumblebee. Oh, wow. My parents tell me that when they would play that movie, that when the giant bumblebee came on the screen, I would jump up, hit the power button on the TV to turn it off, and run out of the room. Something about giant insects was terrifying to me. Wow, I would have never picked that one, Zach. You surprised me there. The one I'm going to go with for my third round pick, they're not actually scary, but the movie was fantastic, and they're fantastic. Wait a minute. I thought that was your third round pick. No, no, no. That was just me adding on to what you said about the giant ants. Oh, all right. Okay. I'm going to go with the Graboids from Tremors. Yeah. Those giant worms. We just talked about them a couple weeks ago. Yeah, on, I was just going to reference. I, I knew you were going to pick that because I know Tremors is one of your favorite movies. Oh, absolutely. And, and I love it too. And I was I was going to set it up and say, did you listen to Myths and Mysteries and yeah. the Mongolian Death Worm? It's got giant man-eating worms and Kevin Bacon. What more can you ask for? <laughs> and tons of guns. It's fantastic. And that's kind of a cheesy way to say, listen, you ought to check that podcast out, Myth and Mysteries. Zach does it with his brother Spencer. And I just listened yesterday morning at the gym to the Mongolian Death Worm. Yeah, it's a good program. You did a good job with it. Thanks, man. So your third round pick then was the, the Tremors, the Worms. You've got the Predator. You've got Godzilla. I went with the American Werewolf. I went with them. And finally, in the third round here... There's good ones left. Uh, those humanoid crawlers from the movie Descent mm-hmm. are really creepy. The blob is just interesting. Yeah. Cool. I mean, you just got this giant ball of jelly rolling down the street. That's interesting. The thing, interesting, very creepy. And the fact that it could uh, become the DNA of anything it really wanted to, that mm-hmm. kind of – but. Uh, the thing I got to go with then for my third round pick would be the Xenomorph from yes. Aliens. That, I knew it. Yeah, that's got you knew that was going to be taken in this draft. Yeah, if there was going to be anybody that would take the number one spot from Godzilla for me, it would have been him. He but yet he went six. One. That was a sixth overall pick, uh, lower than I would have thought. I would have thought you would have scooped that up, but I get, I can get down with your Godzilla. Well, he pick, was on my Predator list. Pick. I was I was I came prepared to go eight rounds in this draft. So really, he was definitely on my list. I don't think we could hold the listeners for that many rounds. In fact, <laughs> they're probably tuning out now. So this is a good time to br- take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into some shenanigans. Zach's got some statements. We'll either agree with them, cause some shenanigans. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. 
Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show. Recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here's your host, Rick Benson. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Mixing sports with faith. BTG is recorded in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Glad to have you along as we take you through the hour talking sports and, believe it or not, teaching a little Bible. Crazy combination. Yeah, that's probably true, but yet the program is downloaded by faithful listeners all around the globe each and every week. We say hello to the New York City borough of the Bronx who downloaded the podcast this past week. You can visit our website, hit up iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast source may be. Subscribe to the program, have it downloaded to your device of choice automatically. In kind of a Halloween feel, author Edgar Allan Poe spent the last years of his life in the Bronx. He didn't die there, but he did spend the last few years there at Poe Cottage. Mm -hmm. He did eventually go back to Maryland and I believe it was Baltimore where he passed away. Is that right? Yeah, going back to Maryland didn't actually work out so well for him. His wife, Virginia, though, she did pass away. By the way, also his first cousin, Virginia, Mm -hmm. passed away while they were there in the Bronx. And it would take volumes to list all the notable people hailing from the Bronx, from the beautiful Jennifer Lopez to the great former broadcaster of the Dodgers, Vin Scully, all from the Bronx. Thanks for listening in the Bronx, and thank you wherever you may be. Let's get to it. So what do you have for us this week, Zach's shenanigan statements? All right. Due to heavy fog during Sunday night's Patriots-Falcons game, TV viewers got to enjoy watching the game through the lens of Skycam. And according to social media, most people loved the Madden angle. So truth or shenanigans, networks will eventually broadcast entire football games from the Skycam angle. No shenanigans. I mean, it was kind of cool at times because it was different. I think a lot of younger people like yourselves probably identified with, as you already said, the Madden angle. But the problem is that the action moves away from the camera, and it's sort of difficult to follow. And another thing, I'm I'm not sure why this is, but it just doesn't seem wide enough to go sideline to Mm sideline. So it seems like there's something missing, even though there may not necessarily be. All the players may be lined up within the, the angle of the camera, but... Because it doesn't go sideline to sideline, it just it seems odd. And the bigger issue for the networks, from what I understand, is that it takes two people to operate it, yeah. which is why they don't use it as often as they do. 
They only use it sporadically. So, no, I, I don't think you'll see it a lot. I agree with you. I, I say shenanigans that eventually that will be the default for a game. I do think that eventually, as games become more streamable and more are available online, that you will be able to choose the angle you want to watch from. That could be. That makes I know, sense. like, I get... Uh, my brother and I always split the NHL.TV package, and when you're watching it online, you can choose to focus the camera on either goalie or sometimes on a specific player and choose which camera view you want to watch. And I think football will eventually get there. We'll probably, we're probably not too far away from having drone camera angles where you can follow the action with a drone from above, and I think you'll probably be able to choose an angle like that. But I don't think it will ever be the default. Teams will have drone day. Everybody gets their own drone, their own camera, and they can operate it. And oh things falling from the sky all over the place. That would be spectacular <laughs> and a disaster at the same time. I actually had some people I know go to that game, and from their seats, they they shared a picture on social media. They couldn't see anything. Oh, I'm sure it was. I I feel bad. You, you go. You they're from Rochester. They went all the way. They spent the weekend in Boston. I get it, but they're going to the game. That was the purpose of going. Yeah. And by midway through the game, I don't know when that fog rolled in, but they I've always seen. wanted to know because you seem like you get one game like that a year. Like, hasn't the foghorn been around for like a hundred years? <laughs> How is it that this is still an issue in 2017? I don't get it. But, anyways, the Pittsburgh Steelers this week announced that troubled wide receiver Martavis Bryant will be inactive for at least their next game on Sunday. Martavis Bryant is, of course, upset about his lack of targets and has said he needs to move on to another team. So truth or shenanigans, the Pittsburgh Steelers will trade, cut, or suspend disgruntled wide receiver Martavis Bryant. I say shenanigans. Not not this season, anyhow. But if you're saying eventually, well, then yeah, I, I would agree. At some point, he's going to get traded, cut, or suspended. But it, you know, I don't know when that'll be. It won't be this year. He's certainly doing everything he can to try to make that happen, though. You know, it just seems mm-hmm. like he's – what an absurd situation that has become. Mm-hmm. What what are, One of the things he said is he needs a more significant role to better support his family. Wouldn't a statement like that just automatically result in a drug test? <laughs> what, what a bizarre thing to say. Maybe other teams would move him by midseason, but I just don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers organization being held hostage by a football player. Uh, yeah. Not that group. Yeah, I say shenanigans as well. I think the most likely would be suspend since they're not using him much anyways. But he's a, a player that, despite his lack of involvement in the offense, is incredibly talented. He has the talent to be that number one wide receiver for a team. Uh, it hasn't happened there. Um, ben Roethlisberger's having a down season. Um, they haven't had the time together to develop the chemistry because of Brian's various suspensions and stuff. But... Um, He's just too talented to give away for pennies on the dollar or to stick on your practice squad where another team could just sign him away. You have to manage your assets properly. The Steelers are pretty good at that. Yep. Um, they're not going to give him away, so I say shenanigans. Yeah, and they're not going to give in to his demands. I just don't see that happening, so we both agree. Shenanigans. Colts head coach Chuck Pagano will be the first coach to be fired this season. What do you think? I agree. Um Look, just the decisions that he's made there. I realize he hasn't been given the greatest personnel. Um, that with Andrew Luck gone, they've clearly been exposed as a mediocre at best football team. But the decisions he makes, 
uh, leave me scratching my head at times, and they've just not been a good football team for a while now. So uh, I think the seat's getting hot underneath him, and I think he'll probably be the first to go. I would say I agree as well. The, the seat's definitely getting hot, although can I get support for Ben McAdoo? I mean, it, it's hard to say, really, isn't it? Just who might be the first to be let go midseason? You could make the case that because of Andrew Luck's injury, well, they may wait to the end of the season. What's the sense? Um, they're not going anywhere anyhow, so maybe they will. I don't, I don't know, but I, I would say of all the people – He's probably got the best chance. But there are a group of coaches that if they fall out of playoff contention, I believe could go. I I do think Ben McAdoo is on that hot seat. Mm -hmm. He has just, in my opinion anyway, had real misbrainers, some real, I don't know what he's doing. But there's a couple other guys. At Marvin Lewis, you'd have to think by this point has used every inch of rope that he has. I think his nine lives have got to be just about up. You would think, but yet there he is. So obviously he's got job security in the form of compromising pictures of somebody. (laughs) I think Mike Malarkey is another target if the Titans fall out of of They've really underperformed. Hugh Jackson, what's going on with the quarterbacks here? He's the one I wanted to mention as as probably the top competition for – Chuck Pagano, because what's has he benched his quarterback in three games now? You know, he's starting the guy that he benched last week. I it makes no sense to me. I I don't know. I think any of those guys are all in line to be that guy. But if I had to pick one out of that group, I'd say Pagano. Speaking of coaches being fired, truth or shenanigans, Washington Nationals manager Dusty Baker deserved his firing last week. No, I say shenanigans. No, I don't think so. He was only there to the two years, mm-hmm. and in both of those years, he led them to division titles. He won 95 games one year, 97 games the other. Um, boy, I'll tell you, there was more to behind this move than just results when it comes to Baker. Rumors are that Bryce Harper wasn't happy with Baker, so maybe the Nationals just want to kind of keep Harper happy they want him to come back. In they want him to come back. And maybe this is one of the things that they're doing. Listen, we did this for you, so you know, hopefully you're happy. But there's also rumors that Scott Boris wasn't happy. And the team is loaded with Boris clients. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that Boris has the Nats ear, you need to explain to me that why just prior to spring training, they signed Matt Weeders when they already had a bunch of catchers on the roster. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I don't know. I don't think he deserved it, uh, although I would say his postseason resume didn't do him any favors. There was more to it than just results on the field. Yeah. I don't know that I would say he deserved it, so I'll say shenanigans there. I think it was more just rectifying a mistake that shouldn't have been made. I don't. I never thought he was the right person for that job. His managerial style, his preference for veterans never really, to me, was a mesh for a team that has a lot of young stars. Um, so I thought it was more just correcting a mistake. But like you said, most of his postseason appearances have ended somewhat controversially. So, I mean, based on postseason performance, you could say he deserved it. But over the long run, like you said, regular season, they, they were great. How crazy is it in baseball? John Farrell got fired, won the division title. Mm-hmm. Won it last year as well. Dusty Baker, fired, back-to-back division titles. Mm -hmm. Joe Girardi not being brought back one game away from the World Series. 
Uh, wow. I mean, talk about yeah. what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Three out of the eight playoff teams going to have new managers next year. It's weird. Tough work. Last but not least, three of the NHL's four last place teams, as of this writing, were in the playoffs last year. Those are, of course, the Canadians, Rangers, and Wild. So truth or shenanigans, of those three, the Canadians have the best chance to turn things around and make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree, and that's mainly because Elaine Vigneault is not their coach. (laughs) The Canadians started the last couple of seasons like they were shot out of a cannon, only to tail off you know, as the season went on. Um, maybe this year starting slowly will mean they'll turn it the other way and really get on fire heading into the playoffs. Look, the two big problems for the Canadians has been this pathetic offense. I mean, it's horrible. And then questionable goaltending play. But you have to believe that a superstar goalie like Carey Price is going to be able to turn it around. And the offense can't play as bad as it has for the entire season. It's just statistically not possible, is it? They've been that bad. Yeah, you'd have to think it's got to sort of revert back to the mean at some point, that it can't stay this bad. At some point, it can't stay that bad forever. I mean, the goal differential is terrible, but the lack of scoring has makes that jump out at you. You know, in digging further, though, I was reading that it, it seems they have some cap flexibility to their advantage, too, so... They could also make a, a trade deadline acquisition if they needed to. So I, I'm going to agree. I think the Canadians have the best chance to turn things around. Now, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I believe that in my research, what I found was that of those three teams, the only team that's not negative in their point differential was Minnesota, that the Rangers and the Canadians are both severely below zero. They're in the negative in point differential. So I'm actually going to say yeah, I think when Minnesota. I looked, the Rangers were negative 11 and the Canadians were negative 20. Yeah, it was. it's pretty bad. Uh, and I believe that the the Wild were significantly improved. They were at exactly zero. They're exactly even in their goal differential. So based on that, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Wild. I think that they're well coached. I think that uh, they're very talented and, you know, just – the Canadians we've seen be worse in the second half of the season the last few years. So if they get off to a bad start and then have a bad second half, they're in big trouble. The Rangers are, um, well, they got they're a sinking ship. So they're, so they're stuck. Yeah. So by default, I think I'm going to have to go with the Minnesota Wild. We need to take a break. That's it for shenanigans. Coming up, we're going to close up the show. We'll tell you what it is that we like this week along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. 
You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back in. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Berletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. It probably goes without saying that one of the things that I like this week is Houston Astros' Cameron Mabin stealing second base in that decisive 11th inning of Game 2 of the World Series, gifting all of America with a free taco in the process. I kind of like that. But what I really like this week was Kentucky coach John Calipari spending his own money buying 2,000 tickets to make sure students were able to see the Wildcats take on Moorhead State in an exhibition game being dubbed Kentucky Cares Classic. The NCAA granted special permission for the game where proceeds will go to those affected by the recent natural disasters such as the hurricanes and wildfires that have damaged various parts of the country. Like him or hate him, this was a classy gesture, and Calipari even told Kentucky Sports Radio that if you want more to come, that if more want to come, I'll buy more. The ESV version of Psalm 11, 24, 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. The generosity of Kentucky basketball coach John Calipari towards university students is what I like, like this week. You like that? What I like this week was Martavis Bryant's replacement as the number two wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This week he shot down former adult film star Mia Khalifa on Twitter. She's known for exposing athletes who slide into her direct messages trying to spend a little quality time with her, if you know what I mean. She's exposed uh, former Buffalo Bill Duke Williams, Chicago Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras, among others. But this week she tweeted at Juju Smith-Schuster and said, you're my new favorite follow on Twitter. Juju Smith-Schuster, however, was not falling for it. He goes, I'm not falling for this, LOL. I'm young, not stupid. Much like Joseph in the Bible, he was having nothing to do with her advances, and that's what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? This has been the Beyond the Game program. Please stop by our website, btgprogram.com. Not only can you find out more information about this radio ministry, you can also listen to past broadcasts. And you can also find the most important information you may ever hear, and that's what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and knowing him as your Savior. And for those of you who may feel so led, you can make a donation to this ministry at our website, it takes money to be able to put this program on the air so that we can present the gospel to listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio, and we are grateful for your support. And be sure to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast, as we mentioned earlier in the show. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, unsolved mysteries, you'll appreciate this podcast that Spencer Barletta and his big brother Zach Barletta do. Myth and Mysteries is available on iTunes and Google Play. Visit their website, Myth and mysteriespod.com, and I highly recommend. There's a number of those episodes that I would highly recommend, but I just got done listening to the Mongolian Death Worm, and it was worth the listen. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at this same time. Be bold, and be great this week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>